0: For our listeners, if you check out the Ames Tribune online, you will see um, this lovely pillow that we have in our loft. There's a picture of it. It's Rachel's face. So just putting that out there for the world to know. It's part of the
1: ongoing war between Ellen and Rachel and their pranks.
0: Welcome to Bubbles and Books, a podcast about two of the best things in life books and champagne. Brought to you by Amanda and Ellen. Owners of your local independent bookstore, Dogeared Books in Ames, First, give me a cheers. Okay. Okay, we're ready. Yeah. And books are sexy. This is a special two-bottle edition because of- we film. We are recording two times. Right. Okay. We're not drinking two bottles in one sitting. Thank you for saving I'm not our rep- this never reputation. It never happen. Reputation will happen, but that's not what's happening here. Correct.
1: So. Mm. today we are opening a bottle of Chandon from California. California does good champagne. There it goes. Another delicious bottle from Cyclone Liquors. Thank you guys for keeping us in good spirits. (laughs) I see what you did there. Mm. (laughs) It's a two bottle day because... We need to talk about what we're reading and what's coming out in the store, but we also had the opportunity to sit down with Gubernatorial candidate Deidre Dejier, and she agreed to share a bottle with us. So we'll get to that later. Yes, this smells delicious. What's we it smell like um, fruit. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, Oh, listen to this. In California, Shandon harvests under the stars in the cool night air when fruit expression is brightest and aromatics are protected. (laughs) And I definitely smell the notes of green apple and pear and citrus with a uh, refreshing finish. Try it. (sighs) Crisp.
0: Nice. All right. Yeah, you can definitely taste the apple. Your champagne is going to
1: spill. No spilled champagne. Ellen... Tell me what you're reading.
0: Okay, so I'm actually going to talk more about the book that I talked about last week. Because last week I talked about it, but I was just at the beginning of it. It's How We Go High in the Dark by Sequoia Nagamatsu. And so just a brief recap. This This story is about this Arctic plague that is unleashed in 2030 when some scientists in the Arctic are dealing with climate change and all of the melting ice and these bodies, the the people who originally died of this plague are unearthed. And this virus is like released into the world. So the novel is actually told in a series of stories. So kind of interconnected stories. So it's a little bit, it's kind of similar to like They're There by Tommy Orange or Disappearing Earth by Julia Phillips. And these stories are really wild. So this book is like part sci-fi, part literary fiction. So I told you about the story of the man who um, is taking up his daughter's work in the Arctic. She was the one who discovered the bodies. So some of the other stories are the story of this stand-up comedian who is actually really ends up being very sad. This stand-up comedian who's out of work. The plague has been going on for several years now. And he takes a job at a theme park called City of Laughter. And it's for sick kids who are going to die of the plague and wow. they have one last day of fun. And then they put them on this roller coaster that will kill them.
1: That's so bleak.
0: It's very bleak. Um, another story is about this lab that um, grows human organs in pigs so they can save people who have the plague. And one of these pigs actually like, gains human abilities and can talk and think and feel and Um, forms this relationship with the scientist, but the whole purpose of the pig is to donate his heart to a human. And so it follows him as he learns his fate. Very creative. Yes. Um, One story is this guy who um, melts people's bodies and creates, like he liquefies them, people who died of the plague, and he creates beautiful sculptures from them. Wow. Um, So one that he creates is this ship that he sends out to sea. So these are kind of wild stories, but what I loved about this book at first, it kind of pissed me off as at the end of every story, I was like, but I'm not done with these characters. I'm not done with this story. I want to know more. Right. But I think that's actually a sign of his writing being Mm -hmm. so good that I just couldn't get enough of the characters he was talking about. So it's a book of mourning, like a book of sadness about what we're doing to our planet and to ourselves. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of hope in it because in that sadness, all of these people are able to find meaningful connection in the midst of such sorrow. And so I highly recommend this book. I think it's going to be a special one this year. Right.
1: Well, what are you reading? Okay. I'm reading um, an advanced reader copy of Horse by Geraldine Brooks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm going to tell you about it, but just so you know, you can pre order this on our website. Um, it's out in June. This is based on the true story of a Kentucky racehorse named Lexington from the time of the Civil War. Um, Geraldine Brooks loves to draw from true history. I came to know her in the book, People of the Book, about a 15th century Hebrew manuscript that survived the test of time. Um, And it had, as it was being preserved, revealed a very interesting story. I love that back and forth between history. I love learning about history through fiction. Um, This one is, uh, I started last night and I was caught up from the very first chapter. It's told from two contemporary perspectives and then also goes back to history. The two contemporary perspectives are an art writer who discovers a painting of the thoroughbred, um, doesn't know what it is. Um, but eventually it's revealed that this is a, um, very valuable painting. And also, um, told from the perspective of a scientist whose task was studying the skeleton of the horse that's been stored in the attic of the Smithsonian. Um, Those perspectives alternate with a record of the past, 1850 Kentucky, right before the Civil War, um, and the birth of the horse, and the groom and trainer who are responsible for bringing this horse up. I'm really excited about it. Um... I think it will be a great summer read. I'm also listening to Booth by uh, Karen Joy Fowler. I'm jealous. I know. This
0: is like really soon on my TBR.
1: So if it's a great audiobook, um, you can subscribe to Libro FM and support Dog-Eared Books with your audiobook listening. It's the same as uh, The Alternative through Amazon. Um, And I would highly recommend it. I'm very much enjoying it. This is the story of John Wilkes Booth's family living outside Baltimore. They're a family of thespians, 10 children. Um, And I'm at the the beginning, you know, the story of the family as they're growing up. Young people with their dad off performing Shakespeare, um, their mother dealing with the death of various children um, and their life um, out on the outskirts by a little creek um, outside of Baltimore away from society. So those are my two interesting reads right now. I'm loving both of them. All right. Tell me what's exciting this
0: week in hardcovers, Ellen. Okay. The exciting thing this week in hardcovers is the book of cold cases. This is a highly anticipated new release from Simone St. James, author of the Sundown Motel, which was published in 2020. Uh, that's been a really popular book in our store. I've read it. I thought it was great. The Sundown The Sundown Motel is a mystery Slash thriller slash ghost story. Ooh. And the book of cold cases seems like it's very much in that vein. So the protagonist is Shay Collins, a true crime blogger. This is like a thing now in a lot of mystery thriller books where the protagonist is a true crime writer. Okay, yeah. So yeah. Shay Collins is a true crime blogger who, after a chance meeting gets to interview the enigmatic <laughs> Beth Greer, who was acquitted of two murders nearly 40 years ago. The interviews take place in Beth's mansion and all sorts of creepy stuff starts happening. What exactly has Shay gotten herself into? Is Beth a murderer? Something more, something else? We don't know. We'll have to read to find out. This sounds really
1: good. I might take this one on vacation next week. You should. All right. I'm going to tell you about what's new in kids' books. Uh, We have a new picture book from comedian Seth Meyers called I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. This is a book about a scaredy bear and his rabbit friend. And the rabbit friend wants to go on an adventure. The rabbit perseveres through all the challenging situations, um, scary woods, tall mountains, but the bear avoids it at all costs. When the rabbit runs into trouble, though, the bear comes to the rescue and perseveres through his fears to be there for his friend. So it's, it's all about persevering through fear um, to do what you need to do. So what are some of your fears? (laughs) Voicemail. (laughs) <laughs> my voicemail's Story. full my my voicemail's full that's I why you do to, it for us i have
0: to listen to all the voicemail at the store i don't like making phone calls so then you have to make i'll listen to the voicemail you make the phone calls and i don't mind the phone. phone. or rachel makes the phone calls she's giving me a look okay rachel i will give you credit you do make phone calls right at times i'm afraid of getting swallowed by a whale <laughs> 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 Which is why I'll never go scuba diving. And Ellen will go scuba diving with you. No, I never someday. will. That's that shit is unnatural.
1: No, no it's very you. cool. It's no, very cool. Thank you. Didn't you love The Little Mermaid? Don't you wanna be her under the sea? You, you know you what my be... favorite
0: song is when she's like up where they walk. <laughs> <laughs> they Touche. Yeah. Okay, that's the best song <sighs> in that movie. Um I'm also afraid of snakes and I don't like whistling.
1: Ooh. I'm not scared of it,
0: but I don't like it.
1: Right. It's an irritating thing. I mean, other than addressing my voicemail.
0: (laughs) You don't have any other fears besides voicemail? Are you afraid of heights? Not often. Like, could you stand on a cliff? Yeah. Like at the edge of a cliff and not be scared? Yeah. I think, I mean, I have,
1: I've, I've gotten to the point where we went hiking and We are at kind of a precipice and my kids are freaked out and crying. And I'm like, no, stand for the picture.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. They were fine. Would you like go to the top of a skyscraper and stand on the roof? Would that scare you?
1: I mean, I I think I would be in the realm of capability of being able to do it. You know, I wouldn't feel great, but I wouldn't be like pissing my pants. so. So, I mean, and I avoid snakes, but I'm not like terrified.
0: Okay. So if you like found a snake in your house, you wouldn't Mm -hmm. necessarily move out. Right. But you'd be like, ew, snake. Right. That's how I am with spiders.
1: I think I'm just really scared of death. So to get real, that's the only thing. But you'll
0: stand on the edge of a cliff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just don't think I'm going to die that way.
0: Well, what if there's
1: a breeze? Oh, I know what I am. (laughs) You're afraid. You're afraid of a a whale swallowing you. I can relate to that in that. My fear would be to be in the middle of the ocean with nothing around, in the dark, unknown depths, not knowing what's below me. And I also, I also don't like lake water because it's so murky. I don't know what's there. It's the unknown, everything unknown. What's going to be in my voicemail? What kind of fish (laughs) is at the bottom of Clear Lake? It's a control freak issue, I think.
0: Okay, but when you're scuba diving, like you're in the you can see life. it, yeah, you, can but see you it. can't see behind you. I don't got eyes in the back of my head. What I if mean, the whale's coming up behind me, mouth slowly open. <laughs> just like that. But it would be a very literary
1: ending for a bookstore owner. So Moby Dick, I guess. Okay. All right. Um, Now we're going to segue into our very fantastic conversation with Deidre DeGere. Um, As Ellen reflected, ask her a question. She was on it. She just she's a wonderful woman with outstanding ideas, very charismatic, and we were very honored to have her in the store.
0: Yeah. And, you know, she has me feeling really hopeful about the future of our state, which I haven't felt that in a while. So we were really honored to have Deidre Desjardins visit us. Uh, and we encourage our listeners to get behind candidates like Deidre, uh, because we can make a change in our state. We can do better than, than what we've been doing. All right, let's talk to Deidre.
1: That was good. Cremant de Alsace. I got out a really nice bottle because we have a special guest today. Woo-hoo. We have Deidre Djer, who's a gubernatorial candidate running for governor in the 2022 election. We're super excited that she wants to come be a bookseller for the day. She's just completed story time with our children visitors, read two really awesome books about the potential for women and what they can accomplish. And we're welcoming her on to Bubbles and Books with Bubbles, of course, um, toasting her um, successful campaign, we hope. And um, really excited she's giving us this
0: opportunity to get to know her.
2: And I am extraordinarily excited to be here. Ah, Thank you. (laughs)
0: Okay. So like, let's start with books. You just mm-hmm. read to the kids. Do you have like any childhood favorite books?
2: Yes. So, um, you know, my, my dad, uh, would read to me when, when I was a kid and, uh, both of my parents worked long hours. My mama, uh, was a banker and, uh, my dad, uh, did home care and, uh, it was special time cause I was a daddy's girl for him to read to me. And, and so we grew up reading all types of books. We grew up making up stories and I can't pinpoint just one book. Um, but what I can say is just that I just enjoyed my experience with my dad. And so I love reading, uh, to kids and also love reading to my nieces, my nephews, and my guy kids. And country mouse and city mouse is one of those things that I always flock to because <laughs> I consider myself a city girl and my husband is a country mouse. I, I joke <laughs> and tell people he was born in a home. Um, but needless to say, his his family is from rural Oklahoma. They're cattle ranchers. And wow. uh, I'm from the city, Jackson, Mississippi, yeah. in Mississippi. And um, yeah, just an extraordinary story of how we came together. Uh, Yeah. Where'd you meet? So he's from Oklahoma and I went to high school and middle school in Oklahoma, but we met at Drake and we didn't necessarily meet at the institution itself. We met at the intersection of 30th and Forest. Our cars (laughs) were by each other. And as I'm rolling up to the intersection, I see he has Oklahoma plates. And so I, you know, honked and said, hey, you've got Oklahoma plates. <laughs> and yeah, I'm from Oklahoma. And, and so I waved and I was in the, the uh, car with a group of friends of mine. And then we proceeded to go to Target and we noticed this gentleman was following us. And so we didn't know what was going on. And so what did we do? We go to Target. We go to the baby section at first and start looking at baby clothes and he follows us on over like he's bold and he hands us a party flyer because he wanted us to come to a fundraiser that his fraternity was hosting. No. And he then just became a dear friend of mine. We got to know each other more. Um, and then he proposed, we got married and you know, 11 years later, almost here we are.
1: That's a cool story. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you read recently that's been inspiring for you? We have a couple of your staff picks downstairs, yep. either inspiring or entertaining.
2: So I'm I'm working through Upswing, and Upswing is really inspired by by Robert Putnam. Um, when I was in high school, I I, I read Bowling Alone. Um, which is essentially around how community interacts together for this purpose of doing good for, for all. And I, you know, I, I've never met Robert Putnam before, but you can tell in his writing that he puts great value on community and, and collective action and what people can do together. And what Upswing shows us essentially is that where we are in these moments as Americans, we've been here before. And we've been able to overcome the challenges that we're dealing with before. But needless to say, we did it collectively and we did it with civility. And so that part is really inspiring me. I'm not all the way through the book yet, but um, I know where it's headed. We need
1: that optimism. We need mm -hmm. the promise of a return of our potential and mm-hmm. so you just you just wrote a shelf talker that's what you're gonna have to do before you leave is write the upswing shelf talker our little recommendation card <gasps> and then we can put it on there um for you
2: know recommendations to our our customers absolutely absolutely you know i didn't even know upswing was out and a mentor of mine was like have you read upswing? I said, No who's a bi, Putnam? Oh, of course I need to yeah. read this book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And and so I've been working my way through it, but it, it's incredibly inspiring. Another one of my books that I even read in, in undergrad, and I keep it with me to just kind of pull notes out, Democracy in America. And that is by de Tocqueville, a Frenchman who came to America. He was supposed to be studying the criminal justice industry and the prison industry, but saw something bigger to cover, democracy. And he saw... In us, what we didn't see in ourselves as Americans, he saw the value that we could add to the fabric of our communities collectively, yeah. and and so I'm I'm always reminded of you know re- being mindful of what we're capable of.
1: Yeah, because yeah.
2: sometimes we forget in the midst of defeat, in the midst of despair challenging times uncertainty we forget what we're capable of but if a frenchman can come to america <laughs> and see value yeah. in us we we should be reminded to to see it in ourselves and that's a large part of what i'm doing throughout the state right now in the beginning you know we're talking about policy but we're also reminding iowans like we've we've done better because we could do it mm-hmm. and 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 now that we're taking monumental steps backwards there's there's no reason for us to give up and count each other out these are the times where we dig deep. And and remember, this is a state that was once number one in education, because nearly 100 years before Brown versus Board of Education, Iowa made the conscientious decision to desegregate schools to say that every kid, no matter their race, their gender, should have access to a quality uh, public education. Iowa did that, right? And then we later became number one because we were insistent on lifting children up. But now, We're taking steps back there related to um, marriage equality. When the rest of the country was trying to figure out who should marry who, Iowa was third in the nation and said, marry who you choose. Now, these were hard battles Mm -hmm. that that were won, but they were won because people came together. Same with the, the presidential elections in 2008. Rest of the country trying to figure out who should be the next president of the United States. I mean, that was a, a crowded Democratic primary. I think there were nine to 12 people that were running at any given time. And I Iowa said, hey, America, a black man should be the next president of the United States. And America, listen, so while this in this state we, we feed the world and we fuel this country, we're innovative, we we believe in community, Let, let's go back to who we are so that we can make this state better for all of us and to continue to be a leader in this country.
0: That's really like inspiring to hear you say all of that because I used to be so proud to be an Iowan. It's mm-hmm. like you, and I would tell people the same things like we're not flyover country. Like we've actually done some really wonderful progressive things. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's been very sad for me to see the trajectory um and so one of my big questions for you which I think you answered was like how do you how do you maintain the optimism that it takes for you to do what you are doing? Because, I mean, this is no, like, small thing that you've decided to
2: do. That's a real question. And I was just literally on the phone with my team earlier when we were talking about Workday Wednesdays. Things like this inspire me in real life. I'm not trying to be, you know, gushy. I don't even know the word to describe it. But you all are in the business of being entrepreneurs. You don't have this huge board of directors or shareholders who report to you. Sometimes you're doing the business in the wee hours of the night when no one's paying attention. Sometimes it costs you tears. Sometimes it costs you extra money, a few points on your credit score, whatever that may be. But you're insistent and you're persistent because you're doing the hard work, Mm -hmm. the work that you believe in. And I want to make sure that you can continue to do that. You all are creating jobs, you're creating culture, and you're creating space and community for people. And we need more of this throughout this state. And so what inspires me is because I know what we're capable of, looking at y'all. We got it in us. We got it in us to do more and to do better. We just need leadership that's willing to facilitate that happening, not only in communities like Ames, but throughout this entire state.
1: What are your priorities, Um, you know, top two, three issues that you think are going to help bring us back to what Iowa's potential was?
2: So education is an incredible priority for me. Uh, that uh, can, can do a great deal to ensure that our students have a limitless future when we invest in education, invest in our teachers, and ensure that our parents are well taken care of in this process. Um, I want to make sure that every family has access to at least 30 hours of pre-K um, in any given week. I also want to make sure that we increase pay for teachers um, and we make um, you know the school safe in such a way that parents feel comfortable sending their kids there, but we're also preparing our kids in the K through 12 system for career readiness. We're we're preparing them. So when they graduate from high school, they have options to either go to a job and just work one job to take care of their families. Or if they want to go to a community college, if they want to go to a college or a university, four-year institution, they can do that. But we need to ensure that that K through 12 system is preparing them with options and not pigeonholing them, right? Um, that's a priority. Another priority is our economy. You know, we we have a worker shortage. We have a skills gap, like everybody else in this in this country. But unfortunately, the challenges that we're dealing with in Iowa is that we don't have the housing that we need in the communities where the jobs are. Um, we need to increase the availability of training. We also need to ensure that we're doing better for our small businesses. I know it may look good in a headline to see that. The state is giving Facebook $208 million in tax credits to come here and create 50 jobs. But imagine if we matriculated those resources to our small businesses. Yeah. Um, I also want to make sure that our small businesses, the overhead there is as low as it can be because I need y'all to be able to provide health insurance yep. for your employees and mm-hmm. not have to break the bank doing it. Right. Uh, we also need to increase childcare. We've lost 40% of our childcare providers. Folks are making decisions, right? On do I stay at home with my kids or do I take this part-time job? Right. Yeah. What, what's it worth? What's it worth? And and so these are like basic essentials. And then the last one. Um, so we've got education, economy, healthcare, and mental healthcare. we have got to make healthcare Amen. more accessible. Um, in our rural communities, people are driving, you know, hours to get to the care that they need. Mm-hmm. In our urban communities, people live right next door to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Can't get the care that they need. Right I was talking to a a mom in Dubuque. She had been, she, and this was last month, she'd been pregnant since August and couldn't get in to get an appointment, prenatal appointment. Wow. Because nobody took her insurance in that area. That just can't be mm-hmm. yeah. in, in 2022. And we've got to resolve that. Mental health care access, we know. We just talked about what, what, what folks have been doing related to COVID. I mean, we had our defenses up, a lot of uncertainty, living in fear. COVID did a number on us, physically and mentally. And to see that this state has less than 100 state beds compared to New Hampshire, who has 300 beds. Altogether, this state has 1,000 beds, both public and private. And we've got more than 3 million islands. We know our kids are dealing with mental mm-hmm. health care challenges. We know adults are. Alcoholism is up. Domestic violence is up. Suicide attempts are up. All of these things um, are challenges that not only impact us today, but in our future. And if we don't nip this in the bud and increase access to these things, um, we're perpetuating a crisis.
1: Mm-hmm. Digging deeper.
2: Mm-hmm. We've also got to uh, make sure we're leaving this land better than the way that we received it, and that means yeah. that the state has to bring our landowners, our farmers, um, and 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 our climate educators together so that we can resolve this challenge with with our climate. Because as I said earlier, we we feed this country and we fuel this world. We better be leading yes. as it relates to reducing our carbon footprint yeah. and the stewardship of our land. We we can be a leader then. if it's going to happen anywhere in this country it got to happen in it Iowa. It should
0: be. That's I mean, we should be the leader mm-hmm. in that. Like, what an opportunity. And think of all, like, it's the right thing to do, but think of all the jobs and opportunities that that would create mm-hmm. if that was our focus.
2: Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. I mean, but we've seen it done before with wind. We've seen it done mm-hmm. with ethanol. We've got to continue to diversify the innovation that exists in the state and not pigeonhole us in places because Iowa's good for that type of innovation. We're used to it.
1: One last thing we wanted to talk to you about, because it's so related to what we do as booksellers, is talk to you about the recent challenges against books Mm -hmm. in our education systems, and in our libraries, um, over uh, language or sexual representation. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a concern for us. We're wondering what your thoughts are as a potential candidate for, well, as a candidate for governor, what you see the role of our government is in... Books
2: in schools and
1: libraries.
2: I see the role in government: books in schools and libraries, funding books in schools and
1: libraries. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's yes. the role of put government. Put that on a bumper. <laughs> <stage>. Yeah, um,
2: <laughs> because we we should trust what you all are doing as teachers, as educators, librarians, nurses. I was literally just at East High School this morning where we had a travesty happen. Yeah. Uh, three children were shot, um, and one has passed away, and they were shot by peers, um, and a number of them were a part of this, and the, it's the situation that happened, in Des Moines could have happened anywhere, at a mall, at another school, um, And but needless to say, I say that to say today was a moment to really love and care on the teachers and the educators and the administrators in that school. Um, and I asked one of, uh, the administrators, uh, how you doing? Like, what do you need? And of course the kids need this, kids need that, kids yeah. need this, kids need that. And I said, okay, I hear you. What do you need? I need for my kids to be safe. He would not talk about himself because from his vantage point, self was empowered by the success of his students. Yeah.
1: That's beautiful. And
2: that's so much of what our teachers do yeah. every day out of the week. And, and right now, our state's not showing up for
1: them. Right.
2: And, and that's unfortunate, but I'm of the mindset we can do something about it. Because teachers haven't always felt this way. Our administrators haven't always felt this way under Republican and Democratic leadership. Um, this has got to be our floor. Where we are right now, we can't go any lower than this. It's only up from here.
1: And rather than villainizing our teachers, calling them sinister, we should be we have bigger problems. Yeah. We need to pay these teachers. We need to keep kids safe. Those are the real problems we need to be addressing in education, not whether you object to a particular book like Mm -hmm. mouse that teaches Holocaust history. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was on a, uh, a campaign trip with then Senator Harris, now our vice president, and we were doing an educators forum. And like any good Iowan, because y'all know Iowa is the <laughs> Petri dish for, for policy, politics and everything, progressive. Uh, they called our team and they're like, I looked up these teachers who were gonna, these teachers quote, were gonna be on your panel and I noticed that one of them's a realtor, not a teacher. And I was like, oh my gosh, did we miss something? Did, did we not vet everybody the right way? What's going on? So I get the name and you know, I look up the the person and I'm like, oh. They are a teacher. Yeah. But they're also a realtor. Mm-hmm. And they also work at the diner. Right. Because they're having to work multiple jobs to make ends meet. Yeah. We are asking teachers to pour their hearts and their souls into our students. And, and we're their own not, pocketbooks. And their own pocketbooks. Mm-hmm. We have to take into consideration they are Iowans too with families. They have community too. Let's set them up for success inside the classroom and outside the classroom because we want them to be their best. It's the when most valuable
1: up. job we have. You know, they're right up there with all our other um, lauded professions, you know, firefighters, doctors. And they all had room. teachers. Yeah. They yeah. all yeah. had
2: to start from somewhere.
0: Yep. And trust their judgment, you know, like when it comes to these books or when we're talking curriculum and things that are quote unquote controversial, um, you know as as a former teacher i know that like kids are actually really capable of having nuanced and intelligent discussions about hard things and they actually really love that that's when students are most engaged yeah yep. like let's give our young people a lot more credit than yep. what we're giving them right now
2: yeah like, when i was in high school in the buckle of the bible belt tulsa oklahoma where there were more churches than there were gas stations it was a point of privilege to read a book from the banned book list. Like our <laughs> teachers promoted it like this is on the banned book yeah. list. You can read this book, but it's on the banned book list. But, but but the idea was that even though we were in the buckle of the Bible Belt, we had teachers that wanted us to learn outside of our comfort zone to understand other people's walks of life. Now, mind you, there are different levels in which certain types of reads are appropriate mm-hmm. based right. on the age. I mean, that's real, but but that's not the topic of conversation right no. now. The topic of conversation is get that out, get that out, get that out. What we consistently see from this administration is repercussions, retaliation, and restrictions. Mm-hmm. What we don't see is the value add. They're telling us what we shouldn't do, what mm-hmm. we can't do, what mm-hmm. we won't do. But tell us what you can do as a state entity, who's supposed to be putting people first, who's supposed to be ensuring that Iowans have minimal barriers in their pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. What are you going to do to add value? And time and time again, that question has gone unanswered. We can not answer it in November of this year.
0: Yes, we can. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: So
1: one last question. We were curious. You grew up in Mississippi. What made you decide to stay in Iowa?
2: i love this state i mean as an undergrad i was just immediately engulfed into the community and it was contagious i mean my parents growing up would always have us do community service we went to minimum security women's facilities uh we went to nursing homes no child left behind after school programs like we didn't really have a real life outside of community service but that was my comfort zone and so as soon as i got here I tried to find those spaces to get involved. And I just fell in love. Um, I was able to start a nonprofit when I was an undergrad uh-huh. to help prepare our students for education educational success we started giving out school supplies to 300 kids and we had a little you know activities fair and a basketball tournament and 15 years later we're giving away school supplies all over the state to thousands of students helping them to make sure that they're successful giving school supplies to teachers who need them who can't uh, who don't have the resources to come out of pocket so i did that in undergrad i can't imagine doing that else I started a business in yeah. undergrad to help other businesses get started at the onset of the recession and i can't imagine doing that anywhere else and so when we talk about the field of opportunities i mean that's our state model yeah. right? right to some degree outside of our liberties reprise and our rights we will maintain this is the field of opportunities well right now that soil isn't as fertile as it needs to be and yeah. i want to make sure it is so as we grow we're producing what we need to produce
1: that's beautiful. Thank you, Deidre. Mm-hmm. Anything else? I don't know.
0: Do we need to ask about dogs? I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. This is Dog Ear Books, and what? I know
2: that i know I've you got have dogs books. and ears. So. I know you have dogs. <laughs> yes. Tell us.
0: Well, first of all, we have a little gift sack
1: for oh, you. For my you. This is from Treats on a Leash Across the Way. Treats on a Leash. The local goodies that Lovey can't oh. really... Um, resist. <laughs> They're going to be so happy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So lots of goodies. So and, and tell us about your dogs.
2: So I have two dogs. Um, one is uh, his name is Maurice and I got him as a puppy. It's a rescue dog. He's um, a mixed golden Rottweiler. He looks like the bush big bean dog. Yeah, he totally does. <laughs> I saw the picture. And he is the smartest fella ever. He is a comforter and a protector. Great dog. In year three, I would come home because I had started working uh, more out in the field and he would be on the stairs with his legs crossed. And when I get there, he'd be like, (laughs) just (laughs) huffing and puffing. And I'm like, you need a friend during the day. And so we went out to a farm in Indianola. Really wanted a German shepherd. I've loved German shepherds. All my life retrievers and shepherds. And so we went out to a farm and he picked out his, his sister, he picked out his sister and we got a white German shepherd. Aww. Her name is Macy. She is, she loves cuddling. Even when you don't want to cuddle, yeah. she demands it. <laughs> right now she's experiencing her little girl time and she's just on one. She needs <laughs> all the love, all the attention. So these cheats are going to come Good. and play, but I love my dogs. And there's been moments where, you know, chimpanzees are challenging. Um, But dogs sense how you feel. And they know when you need love. They know when you need comforting. And these dogs have been there for me every step of the way. And they're just the best creatures. Um, I did have a bird, but she passed away last year. Her name was Honey. She was only supposed to live 11 years, but I got her for 15. Oh, my gosh. Um, But she was the best bird ever, a cockatiel.
1: Oh, my gosh. I love
2: animals. Your little
1: surprise, like hidden fact that you're a bird and dog. Person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: That's yeah, great. I, I've done the reptile thing too. And yeah.
1: What an wow. eclectic candidate <laughs> we have here. Yeah, representing was... all types of pets. Mm-hmm. That's so great. Well, thank you for being on bubbles and books. And yeah, We'll fill up our bubbles and we'll get to shelving books. Ellen, tell me what's
0: happening at the store this week. What's popping? Well, on Thursday morning, we have the Dog Years Official Book Club and we're meeting at 10 o'clock in the loft and we are discussing State of Terror by Louise Penny and Hillary Rodham Clinton. (laughs) Okay, this is going to be a political thriller. I haven't read it yet because I'm timing myself to read right up to the moment, but... I've heard lots of good things about this book. From me. From you. I love Louise Penny and I love Hillary Clinton, so I'm excited.
1: Louise is an outstanding mystery writer. She writes characters you care about. Um, She has well-developed mystery where you're invested, you believe it, you believe the thrill of it all. Um, And Hillary really contributes the inside knowledge of what it is to be a secretary of state. The protagonist in this book is a female secretary of state dealing with a international crisis. And and, her name is Ellen. Oh, I forgot. Which is...
0: Obviously
1: Pretty cool. Amazing. Very cool. Um, so I, I think that they're going to return with a sequel. So this is a great one to get on board with <laughs> now. All right. Uh, we have open mic scheduled for seven to eight thirty on Thursday night after book club. Um, we'll have a special presentation by, a. uh, a master's student my shared plate something related to do with food so that's going to be part of our open mic that'll be interesting plus she's bringing cookies so you know oh yeah that'll be special open
0: mic is always kind of fun there's usually some poetry some music um and some always some interesting surprises in there yeah
1: yeah and then cafe philosophy meets on sunday and the question they're contemplating this week is what does it mean to know something this really this is they should have just
0: invited me (laughs) because you know everything yeah (laughs) this this is what it means yeah
1: so that'll be really interesting (laughs) well cheers to another great week of reading talk to you guys again soon remember uh subscribe like follow because you want to find out what's happening in Dog Eared Books
0: every single week. Yep. And if you don't live in Ames, you can always follow us on social or hit our website to order books.
1: Follow us at at Dog Books Ames or at Dog Ear Books on TikTok. All right, listeners, keep the champagne flowing. And the books going.
0: This is so great! It's so great! <laughs>